0: Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. The GHSA Final Four is here, people. Sound the alarms. Oh my gosh, it is here. No shortage of madness across the state. On the boys' and the girls' side in the Elite Eight, but we are here to break down the boys' side of things and we will be starting in Class 7A. But golly, it's been a heck of a year. A lot of crazy action. And now we're in the Final Four. And, you know, I hate it. Final Four weekend has always been my favorite. I'll, I'll get this off off rip here. Final Four weekend has really been my favorite. Sometimes a little bit more than State Championship weekend. Uh, just with the amount of teams you can see play. Back-to-back-to-back to back to back, boys and girls. All in one setting. But now... With this COVID season, we have games being decided by coin flips, going to home schools in some cases. Um, you know, obviously for the higher seat, it's great for you, and even greater if you you want a coin flip in a like seated game. But to not have these games played in neutral sites, that's that's pretty tough. I imagine as a Final Four team, every single year it's it's at a nice big college facility, but now you have to go on the road in the Final Four, and you play in a tough a tough environment. Going to be different, going to be strange. Don't think I'm going to be able to do my my yearly Final Four recaps because there is just going to be way too much spread out data. So I might be feeling a little naked going into the state championship as far as what the stats were in the Final Four matchups. But it is what it is. We're here and we have some absolute slobber knocker games to break down some, some true classics coming up. And we'll get right into it as we start off in the top left-hand side. I guess it's just the left-hand, left-hand side of the bracket. Now there's no top left-hand side, but out of our top ten, Milton, McEachern, Pebblebrook, and Burkmar. That's one, three, four, and five. We have number one Milton, who blew out Noonan. No surprise there. Seventy to thirty-four. They now see Pebblebrook. 75 58 winner over North Gwinnett and this is a good a good game to say the least. This is one of the best games nationally. I mean, I am to be honest with you, I'm tempted to pick Pebble Brook in this one. Pebble Brook has just been incredible all season long. They are just so high octane, great firepower, so much length, so many, so many pieces that can hurt you. Uh, I mean just just recently, uh, you know, Andre Andre Young goes for thirteen points, seven rebounds, six assists, and two steals. Aaron Reddish scores ten points against Noonan. Jamal Kleist, Kamai Young. Tyler Shirley all score eight points. Shirley grabs thirteen rebounds. It is just so many people, and they can hurt you in a variety of ways. This Pellbrook team is super tough. Of course, uh Danny Stubbs going to Georgia State he's been great he had 17 points to lead Pebblebrook um, also added five rebounds and six assists and two steals so this this Pebblebrook team has everything they have everything and I, you know I, like I said I, I I feel like I want to pick Pebblebrook I'm probably going to stick with my original bracket I mean just looking at my original bracket I have three out of the final four teams chosen correctly so I wasn't too far off. Um Pebblebrook is going to give Milton issues because they're long and they have very good guard play. Now you look at Milton, you know they blew out noon and it was a bounce attack. Cannon Carlisle, nineteen points. Kendall Campbell, 11.7 rebounds. Cam Walker, 11 points. LT Overton, 10 points, 14 rebounds. Bruce Thornton, 6 points and 11 assists. Well, Bruce Thornton's going to have to score more than 6 points to beat Pebble Brook. And I know he did not have to score at all in that Noonan game. But in games like this, it's going to come down to those star players. Are those star players going to shine? And I think coaching is going to be a big factor in this one, as it always is. What are the game plans going to be for each team, and is it going to take some time to feel each other out? You know, Pebblebrook's so explosive. I mean, Milton is too. Let's give Milton credit. Milton is a uh, one of the top-ranked teams nationally uh, in the entire country. Um, but Danny Stubbs versus Bruce Thornton, I mean, is the gap that wide? I don't know. I think overall, you know, Bruce is a great player, but Danny Stubbs is a terrific high school guard. It's going to play at Georgia State. He's been really good. Him and Andre Young have a nice cohesion. You throw Kamai Young, you just have so many options. I think uh, the effectiveness of Kendall Campbell and LT Overton inside, going up against that length and that athleticism of that front court, of Pebblebrook. You know Blake Hadley still in the mix over there is another big body you have to contend with that can rebound and kind of alter some shots inside for Pebblebrook. I think Pebblebrook. You know, top to bottom, I think they have more than enough to beat Milton in this game. Looking at the bracket, the game's going to be at Milton. So I guess, you know, home court advantage, maybe that helps out a little bit. Um, but I think Bruce Thornton, I, it's just so hard to pick against him. But I will preface this I will say the hardest thing to do in possibly the nation in basketball is to win a state championship. In Class 7A as the favorite. Ask Grayson. Ask Norcross every year. It's not easy to win a state championship, and I could very well see some strange stuff happen. I mean, these four teams remaining are all powerhouse programs that have had, uh, you know, let's just say talent is attracted to these programs. Um, But I'm going with Milton. I'm going to stick with my original pick. It's going to be hard, but we know if you win a state title in Class 7A, it's not going to be easy. And usually I like to pick against the field as far as going up against a number one ranked team. I usually say I'm going with the field to knock off that team. But I just think Milton, I think they have enough to beat Pebble Brook, but boy, oh boy, I am not surprised one iota if Pebble Brook wins this one. I'm sticking with my original pick. I'm going with the Eagles at home. Right-hand side of the bracket, Burkmar versus McEachern. These two teams played before. 88-81, McEachern won in triple overtime. But these rosters are different. Randy Brady is no longer at McEachern. He jumped ship once Chance Moore came back healthy said, I can't play here anymore. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. Apparently, he took four charges, if this is correct, which I see on Twitter. Those numbers aren't there this time. Now, this game is going to be played at Burkmar, And Burkmar, who, who, who played well for them when they played? Well, Malik Ewing had 24 points and 16 rebounds. Jamel Ryder had 18 points. Darryl Londe had 16 points and 12 rebounds. And Destin Logan had 15 points. So all the stars came out to play. For Berkmar, so now Berkmar gets McEachern at home. Berkmar beating Tiff fifty-one thirty-five in an ugly game, which was, which was physical, and McEachern blew past Collins Hill down the stretch, eighty-four to sixty-three. McEachern's weakness over the past two years has been trying to defend the paint against you know, dominant post players. Now they were able to do so. They they held their own against Grayson. That's how they beat Grayson. They weren't able to, you know, they just did not get overwhelmed by Grayson's great size. So that, you know, they might be on to something. Uh, Coach Mike Thompson, they might have found something defensively as far as to not just get bludgeoned on the glass and just get killed inside. And, you know, this is his last, last go around. He's retiring at the end of the season, Coach Thompson. And it's been, he's had some high profile players to deal with. Uh, I'm sure he could write a tell-all book. I don't know if he'll tell all, but I'm sure a lot of people would read the book just about you know how McEachern came to be this power and how they got so much talent so quickly. But they're going up against a Burk team that has Malik Ewing inside, who already has success and dominated in the post against McEachern earlier in the season. But I, I think you know Chance Moore is back now. Chance Moore is. A very good player going to Arkansas, and he can he can really, really attack on the perimeter. And they have great size, you know, Poppy Moore on the perimeter. Cam McDowell going to UGA. Those guys are big guards. They're very athletic, and they can attack. And, you know, Jamel out he's not a shrimp. He's a really good defender, but he is a little bit smaller than them. Uh, Jamari Hill is a little bit smaller than, you know, the physicality and the explosiveness of McEachern's guards on the perimeter. Destin Logan can match up, not quite as athletic, but he's long and he can take up space, and he's a good defender. Um, but I really do think, you know, looking at this game, I originally picked Grayson to come out of this side of the bracket. Obviously, that goes out the window. So you're looking at Burkmar and McEachern. I am waning towards Burkmar in this one. I'm picking Burkmar. I just think that inside presence of Malik Ewing. I think he's tough. I think Jamel Ryda, this could be a a very big breakout game for him, just defensively and facilitating. I think Dar Alonde. he's going to be big. He is such a monster on the glass with his effort and physicality. I think McKeachin's going to have to get, um, you know, a lot from their role players and and guys that come in there and rebound. They're going to have to provide some scoring um, surrounding uh, McDowell, Moore, and... um, McDowell Moore and a uh, Moore, two mores there. Uh, Braden Sparks, I think he might have a, a important role in this game, but I'm going with Burkmar. I just like the size of them. I know it's going to be a good, a good crowd over there. And I just think their size inside with Malik Ewing, I think he's going to be key in Daryl Lande. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, but I just think those two inside, they might be able to set the tone defensively and with their physicality in the paint. I think Burkmar finds a way Into the state championship, where they will see Milton in class 6A. Four teams are still left, and there is one team in there that I don't care what you said, nobody saw coming. But let's start on the left hand side: Centennial 81-68 over Evans. And I waffled with that pick. I said, I kind of really want to go with Centennial. I think they're playing outstanding basketball. But I stayed true to my original bracket, and I stuck with Evans. And I got burnt. But by no surprise did Centennial make it to the Final Four. Again, talked about them early in the season. Like, this team's got a chance to be really good. And boy, are they really good. 81-68 over Evans in control the entire game. Logan Turner explodes for 29 points. Kyle Duncan 17 points and fills up the stat sheet. Mansur Williamson 16 points, 6 rebounds, 2 steals. You had in KJ Spooney 10 points. Um, Wade Call getting on the glass, 9 rebounds. And now they see Wheeler. 61-47 of Richmond Hill. Richmond Hill got the score respectable, but they were they were down double digits the vast majority of this game. A.J. Burke came in, had 15 points. Jaheim Hudson, 10 points, 7 rebounds. Isaiah Collier, 9 points, 8 assists. Kedrick Oliver, 9 points, 5 rebounds. Max Harris, 7 points, 4 rebounds. And Kyle Burns, 4 points. So Centennial versus Wheeler. Centennial is going to give Wheeler some potential issues. Centennial has very good guard play. They have very good guard play, and they're deep. It's not just one or two guards. I just listed off four really good guards. Logan Turner, Kyle Duncan, Mancer Williamson, K.J. Spooney. They're really, really good guards, and they play well together. They know where they're going to be on the floor, and each one of those guys can hit you up for, I mean, shoot, you saw it anywhere from 10 to 30 points it feels like. This Centennial team is tough to guard with their quickness on the perimeter and how they share the ball. And don't forget, Wade Call. He is a solid post player. He hasn't had to do a lot of scoring during the stretch run here, but if you dump it to him in the post, he knows how to score with his back to the basket. But I don't think that's gonna be the case. They're not gonna need that. It's gonna be you know, contingent on what they do in the backcourt against Wheeler. Now Wheeler is gonna you know, they're gonna have their number as far as the size goes. Jaheem Hudson, again, every single time I talk about Wheeler, I start with Jaheem Hudson. Not Caleb Washington who's going to Dayton. I think he had Four points in this, this Richmond Hill hill win. They don't didn't really need them that much. It starts with Jaheem Hudson controlling the paint, going to Florida Gulf Coast, his defensive presence, his rebounding, his ability to block shots. Jaheem Hudson is the key to this wheeler team. And if he gets in foul trouble, that can make it a very interesting game. And you know Centennials, they're gonna attack they're gonna attack the basket there. Logan Turner's a very good athlete. Kyle Duncan, good size on the perimeter, uh, and you know, just talking about those two guys, you got two six-five guards right there. It's not often, at least during the state state title run, state playoff run, that Wheeler has seen other teams that are big at the guard position and talented at the guard position. Centennial checks those boxes now. Um, Williamson and uh, KJ Spoony on the smaller side, but they're they're very quick and they're very skilled. But you have two. Big guard to the 6'5 that can match up with the Maxers, that can go toe to toe with Isaiah Collier. Uh, I think, you know, I'm looking personally at this, this battle inside. I need Wade Call to really step up. And now I'm not talking about he's going to have 14 points and 10 rebounds. No, I, you know, he's like I said, he hasn't really had to be a scoring threat this year, but he has to rebound. He has to pull down nine rebounds or so like he did this last game. He's going to have to block some shots. He is going to have to play physical with Jaheim Hudson and keep him off the glass and Kedrick Oliver off the glass. That is a, a big concern always with anybody when you play Wheeler is keeping their big guys off the glass and dealing with their physicality and their length. Wheeler, on the other hand, Really good team, Isaiah Collier. You know, Centennial has to keep him out of the paint. You can't let him create for others. He's a really good table setter. He gets downhill and he can finish at and above the rim. I think outside shooting will be big. You know, both teams can really stroke it, but Wheeler just has, you know, so many guys that moved in and can come in and shoot threes off the off the bench. Uh, you know, A.J. Burke is a, a three-point specialist that can hit shots, you know, you, you got Max Harris who can hit some shots from the outside, so just all these guys, all these guys are very, very good, and, you know, this is a, a team that has been constructed throughout the years, just looking at it, a lot of guys, a lot of guys did not, you know, don't need to harp on it, but you already know where I'm going with this. a lot of these guys weren't there their freshman year, but Isaiah Collier was, and he's a really good player, and he can really make this this wheeler team go so you see a centennial team that is um, pretty homegrown and you're seeing this wheeler team that has been constructed over the years um, like I said, I think Centennial is going to put up a a great a great fight in this game, and I think playing Burkmar at the War Lodge Invitational is you know one of those games that gives them um you know. Something that was going to prepare them for a game like this. Now they ended up losing to Berkmar, but you saw a team that has a lot of length and has solid guard play, and they they hung tough until that fourth quarter when the wheels fell off. So it was games like that, games like that are, are why you know Centennial is here. Coach Barksdale has scheduled tough teams, and that only makes them better for this stretch run. You know, I'm I'm again I'm I'm sticking with my original pick a Wheeler, but I'm telling you this time of year. Anything happens, Centennial is more than good enough to play with Wheeler and beat Wheeler. Um this game is going to be at Centennial. I expect that crowd to be in full throat. They are going to make a difference here. But I just think again, Wheeler's been there done that before. You know, that that physicality and that defense, and Larry Thompson is a great coach, and he always gets the job done this time of year. So I'm not picking against them. But I know Centennial is going to throw the whole kitchen sink at them. But I think the difference in this one, as it always is with every team that plays Wheeler, Wheeler's toughness in the paint, their ability to rebound, their ability to limit easy looks uh, with their great defense, and I'm going with the Wildcats. On the right-hand side, again, we said four teams are here, three of them. Oh, yeah, of course. One team doesn't quite fit. But they are living right. Lee County, they were the one seed out of Region 1. 17-10 overall now. They beat Chattahoochee, the defending state champ, 66-64. And for the second round in a row, Lee County hits a three, or just hits an outside shot at the buzzer to beat their opponent. They beat Brunswick 55-52 in overtime on MJ Taylor um game winner and now NJ Taylor he facilitates and he hits um Jordan Mosier for a, I guess it was ruled a 2 I think they ruled it a 3 I think it was actually 67 264 um but he hit that game winning shot and Lee County is living right and you know what's really tough Lee County has that one seed and they keep playing at home so you get that home game all these teams coming All the way down to Lee County. Not going to be an easy place to play. You're going down to Leesburg. So you got all these Metro Atlanta teams coming down. So they played at home in the first round. They played at home in the second round. They won the coin flip to have Chattahoochee come down to them in the Elite Eight. And they win the coin flip again to have home court advantage in the Final Four. Where they will see kill a 78-68 Winner over Westlake. Kale getting a big effort from Scoot Henderson with 25 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, and 5 steals. Jalen Harris, you know, the perfect Robin to his Batman with 20 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. And um, Dylan Cambridge, who's been really good for them, with 11 points. So again, everything, the stars are all aligning for Lee County. They just keep getting home court advantage. They took care of business in the region tournament to get that one seed. You know, upsetting Valdosta, everything is going their way, and they make it to the final four for the first time in 36 years. You know, I, I, you know, you, I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to say this in a bad way or discrediting way, because Lee County has done what they're supposed to do. But again, sometimes it is better to be lucky than good this time of year. Now, Lee County is a good team. I am saying that you have to be a good team to be here this deep into the postseason where I'm saying the luck comes in at as winning two coin flips. Um, you know, even, I don't know if it's luck or not. It's just crunch time heroics, but they've been hitting these, these shots at the buzzer to win these close games. So they they closed out two games at the buzzer. Things are going Lee County's way. Everything is going Lee County's way. And Kell is going to have a hellacious drive to go down to Leaguesburg Leesburg, um, I don't know what the fan situation is like down south, but I know Kel is going to try to bring as many people as possible and Scoot Henderson. Who do you have that can guard Scoot Henderson? Now, A.J. White is a great scorer in his own right, but Scoot Henderson is a different animal. And remember, Kel, didn't they beat Chattahoochee by 30 points or so earlier in the season? Now, that means nothing this time of year, and I always say that pretty much throw everything out the window. And Lee County can win this game. They certainly can win this game because Kel, again, they don't have a whole lot of size, so they're not like a Wheeler that can just, you know, sometimes out muscle you. Obviously, Wheeler's a great team, but, you know, 6'8 and 6'7 inside, that can wear on you. Kel and Lee County, they're going to pretty much be toe to toe, look eye to eye with each other. But Lee County, who will defend Scoot Henderson and Jalen Harris? They've just been such a dynamic duo all season long for Coach Jermaine Sellers. I think their toughness and how they attack on defense and how they gang rebound. And they've just been playing so well. And they're going to have a good game. But I know that I don't think they're going to let MJ Taylor beat them in this game. MJ Taylor has been fantastic. Like, he's playing his way onto the All State team, it seems like. And I mean, if you make All State, whether it be first team or honorable mention, you're a hell of a player because six A individually it is stupid loaded. Like it is ridiculous. Like it's they the best classification in the state of Georgia as far as individual talent goes because there are so many good players that are going to be left off the list. But with what he's doing with Lee County hitting these big shots and making these big plays with that game winning assist just the other night in the Elite Eight, he's really making a case for himself. But again, I you know I think Lee County can win this game, but. I have to trust everything I know. At some point, at some point, I, and I'm not going to say it's the luck, but at some point, all the good vibes around Lee County, you know, it, it has to end eventually, right? I mean, Kel has seen the best of the best. They've beaten the best of the best all year long. They have the best of the best in Scoot Henderson. I think this game is going to be a very hard nose down to the wire game again. And if it is a a one possession game late, uh, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm favoring Lee County. If it's a close game late in the fourth quarter, I don't know how you pick against Lee County with what they've done the past two rounds. But I'm going to double down. I'm going to triple down. I think I even picked Langston Hughes to win the first round. So I picked against Lee County one time, two times, three times. I think I had to pick against Lee County for a fourth time this year, maybe the fourth time is a charm, I'm going with Kale to make it to the Final Four, the state championship, excuse me, moving on to Class 5A, had some close games, well, really one great game in the, the other couple games, not not as close, but Top left hand side, we saw Tri Cities take care of St. Pius 73 71 in overtime. A classic game. Tri Cities saw St. Pius force overtime, uh, but then uh, uh, Elijah King with a, a key hoop late to win that game for Tri Cities. Uh, you know, everyone storming the court afterwards. Incredible shot at the buzzer getting to the lane. Huge win for Tri Cities. Really. Dodged a bullet there um, because that that is a tough place to play at, St. Pius. It looked like they had a great crowd, as always. Um, But Tri-Cities gets the job done. Simeon Cottle, 26 points, 5 assists. Peyton Daniels, who fouled out, 25 points, 7 rebounds. And Alicia King, 17 points and 10 rebounds. Not known as a scorer, but he came up huge. And now they see Dutchtown, a 72-64 winner over Clark Central, Dutchtown, um 18 points apiece from Cameron Callahan and Micah Evans, the strong forward inside. Dutchtown is back. I mean, this is a team that was young, a lot of roster turnover from last year's state championship team. But they're back. They're back as a two-seed out of region four. And they see Tri-Cities here. So what can we expect from this game? You know that um am- amoeba defense of Dutchtown, it is tough to handle. In the state playoffs, it is very tough. Jordan Griffin always pulls that, at, you know, pulls that out. You know, a 1-1-3, one, one, and it just shifts into different looks all throughout the possession with the movement of the ball. But Tri Cities, they survive a scare against St. Pius. Maybe it refocuses them because they were just, you know, curb stomping teams. Not going to be easy, but I just again I have to go with my original pick, and again, this Tri Cities team is built for it. All these seniors, all these upperclassmen, they've done it before. I think Peyton Daniels and Simeon Cottle are going to have to be huge again in this one. Devorian Rudolph, what can he bring inside with his length? Could be a key factor. I do think um Tri Cities does have um some length and strength inside that can, you know, somewhat bother Micah Evans down low. Um, I think Evans is going to be stronger, and Evans is really good with his back to the basket. He's a he's a he's a nice looking prospect. I like what he brings with his ability to score uh, with good footwork and some nice post moves. Um, but Cohen Carr in this game, his athleticism. Can Dutchtown get this game going? Um, in transition and in transition, that's where Cohen Carr is really tough to stop because he will elevate over defenders and just live on the rim. But I do like uh, you know, their their outside shooting. Jared Waddell is really good. I, I think he's a, a strong shooter, and Gary Richardson. He's gonna have to protect the ball. I just think Jared Waddell and Gary Richardson, those two guys, they have to play good basketball. They cannot get overwhelmed um, by Tri Cities' uh, their backcourt. It can't be a uh, you know Tri Cities' backcourt scoring forty five points and Dutchtown only scoring twenty points. That would be a tough recipe because Tri Cities, we know they can score the ball at a high, high, high level. I'm looking at Dutchtown. They scored 63 against Coffee. Uh, they scored 57 against Jonesboro. They scored 72 against Clark Central. Uh, and now Tri-Cities, to be honest with you, they, you know, their first two matchups weren't as tough uh, by any means. And they scored either 91 or 98 in that first round against Northside Columbus, 101 against Locust Grove, but they did score 73 in overtime against St. Pai. So this team is teeming with offensive firepower. I'm going with Tri-Cities in this one. Uh, I, I trust Omari Forts, a terrific coach. I trust all the, the depth he has and all the big game experience they have. And, you know, Peyton Daniels and their outside shooting, Devon Cottle as well. Uh, I just, and Jackson Watson. I, I trust all those guards. I've seen a lot. As long as they can figure out that defense and they can swing the ball and hit the open man, Dutch going to have to be really good with their closeouts as far as getting to open shooters. Um, but I think Tri Cities. I think they've been the better team all year long. Dutchtown is dangerous, and they're peaking at the right time. But I'm going with Tri-Cities to make it back to a state championship. Right-hand side, Chapel Hill puts into the dream season. The veterans, 79-63. Chapel Hill, a four-seed out of Region 6. They did not play a region tournament, so that four-seed is kind of fugazi. I think they were better than a four-seed. I don't know why they got the four-seed, because looking at their, their region standings, I thought they... We're at least going to be maybe a two or three, but Chapel Hill is really good. They've had some peaks and valleys this year. I mean, let's be honest. They have had some peaks and valleys um, throughout the year, but I think, you know, guys have been in and out of the lineup, like Makai Bell transferring back. That was really important for this team, and they've really taken off since then. But, you know, they did have a 39-38 loss to and Hughes. They lost to Dutch Town uh, 55-53. Who is a Final Four team? They lost to New Manchester by five. Um, you know they had a couple forfeit losses in there. It looks like they lost New Manchester again by five. They lost in North Atlanta, so they've lost. To, they lost a solid team. There weren't any really horrible losses there, but they still, you know, they didn't really quite take off. But they're playing exceptionally well right now. Um, KJ Dusset had a strong game uh, with 18 points, and Shai Shannon has been good. He, I believe, he had 14 points against Veterans, but now they're seeing Eagles landing who has unburdened themselves from that, that that sweet 16 ceiling. They broke through against Forest Park 84-43, and then they took care of business against New Manchester, and what I thought, like, maybe could be a trap game. Maybe that could be the last the last curse to break as far as, okay, you're a heavy favorite in this game. Now get it done. They got it done, sixty four forty six, 46 on the road, and now they have a home game at the landing, at the nest over here. Eagles landing. Is a good team. Chapel Hill. Is super talented. With all those guys. I already mentioned Shannon Doucette. um, Makai Bell. Uh, You got size inside. Kelvin Hunter. All these guys. Jameson Winters. Good guard. But. What team. And again. It doesn't mean anything this time of year. But I have to rely on what I know. I know for a fact. Eagles Landing has been. A better team all throughout the season. Eagles Landing has David Thomas. That David Thomas versus Makai Bell matchup, that's a really sneaky good matchup. Like one of the best guard matchups you're going to see in the Final Four across the state of Georgia. But David Thomas with A.J. Barnes, his athleticism, you know, he. Eagles not huge up front. He's about six five, but he is a great athlete, and he can grab rebounds and start his own fast breaks. Um, I wonder against Kelvin Hunter and KJ Doucette, but you know there are some athletes, and there is some length for Chapel Hill. Does that kind of um, negate what Barnes can do as far as grabbing rebounds? I'm not sure, but I do think Barnes is going to be A a big piece in this game. And Wayne Wilkerson on the perimeter. And Jalen Hand. Fabian Da Silva. His toughness up front. But I think Eagles landing at home. Again, they already broke through with the curse of the Sweet 16. David Thomas. You know, other than maybe Peyton Daniels. David Thomas is the best player left in Class 5A in this state tournament. And I just don't see David Thomas letting this Eagles landing team fall short at home in the Final Four. I don't think that's happening. I have Eagles landing making it to Macon. So, what did I say about Class 4A heading into the season? What did I say about Class 4A? We said this is going to be a crapshoot. Very good teams, not one great dominant team, this is anybody's game, and with what we saw in the Elite Eight, uh, you know, I, from last podcast, you know, I got Fayette County right, got Westover right, and then got both games wrong on the, the right side of the bracket. And from my initial predictions to start the state tournament, you know, I only got one team left, and that's Fayette County in the Final Four. Fayette County, 56-42 winner over Doherty. Kayla Banks didn't have a spectacular game, but 17 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 blocks. R.J. Kennedy, 10 points. Uh, Terry Brown, 9.7 rebounds. You know, they're just a, a, a solid team that has played the toughest schedule in the classification. It has prepared them for this. And now Fayette County has a home game in the Final Four as they make it uh, to the state playoffs. They've done it for 22 straight years. Uh, they advanced to their third Final Four in the last five seasons and fourth in the last seven years. Um, so this Fayette County team has been there, done that before. Haven't gotten over the hump in a while, but this is a good team. They see Westover, who just bludgeoned Cedar Shoals. Finally, that size was able to catch up, the lack of size, able to catch up to Westover and Isaac Beattie hurt them with 16 points. Shamar Wingfield, 16 points. Kashe Watson, 11 points. Kavon Johnson has been good. Kamari Leverett, Efren Smith. All these guys composing up a very dangerous team. So, Fayette County versus Westover. Again, all these games really flip of the coin. Who has the best player on the floor in this matchup? Fayette County has the best player on the floor. Caleb Banks is the best player on the floor. Isaac Beattie is terrific. And he's going to be good, but I will say, Fayette County, unlike unlike some of the teams that Westover has played, they do have some size, they do have some length, they do have some athletes. Terry Brown is a six foot five point forward. Um, Cardell Bailey is, you know, long, about six four, six five, um, and plays above the rim and is athletic and can go get it. Uh, Caleb Banks is six eight on the perimeter. They're, they they some pieces over there at Fayette County, and Westover. Now, other than that, they have really good guard play. As I already mentioned, everybody around Abidi. Um, if Isaac gets in foul trouble for Westover somehow, you know it, whether it be Caleb Banks attacking the paint or one of these other guards or Terry Brown, someone attacking the paint, if, if Isaac Abidi gets in foul trouble, Westover is in a lot of trouble. Um, I think Westover, just their depth at the guard spot, I think that's going to really help them. In this game, I, I know they can play multiple speeds, and I think that's going to help. But I think Fayette County, again, they've seen the best schedule in Class Four A. Caleb Banks is the best player left in Class Four A. I think Fayette County. Uh, I'm going with Fayette County to win this game, um, but I think it again. I think all these games are crazy, and you know Westover can win this game. Obviously, everyone at this point can win these games. But I have to go with Fayette County. I just think, um, you know, out of their, what, 11 losses this year, like every single loss has been to a, a ranked opponent or outside of maybe Langston Hughes. But all of those teams they played have been very, very good, and they have prepared, and they're battle-tested. And they have this game at home. So I'm going with Fayette County, leaning on Caleb Banks to be the best player on this one. So I have the Tigers making it back to Macon. On the right-hand side, people are screaming for the shot clock. It'll be here in due time. But McDonough upsets Monroe 29-25. And you just look at that that score and say, What in the world? McDonough was holding the ball. It wasn't McDonough holding the ball. It was Monroe holding the ball. And they held the ball. From what I've been told, the entire third quarter, we had a goose egg. No points scored in the third quarter, if reports are correct. No one scored in the third quarter. And I guess that didn't end up working because Monroe lost, Dominic Henderson. Now, why did they, they, they hold the ball? McDonough played a box and one on Dominic Henderson, Monroe's best player. And they held the ball. And they waited for McDonough to come out of the box in one. And B.J. Thomas said, no, 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 no. No, we're not doing that. And this is after Monroe led 20-17 to at the half. So it was already a low-scoring game. 20-17 to at the half. And B.J. Thomas stuck to his gun and said, no, I'm not coming out of the box in one. And what happened? McDonough wins the game and Dominic Henderson Goose Egg, their star player averaging over 20 points per game, held to zero points, and Monroe loses 29-25. And it's, I don't understand how that happened. I mean, McDonough just locked in, but I would, I would assume that Monroe has seen some junk defenses throughout the year. And, you know, a star player, I know they're going boxing one, but to not score a single point and to have to hold the ball and just say, yeah, let's wipe out the third quarter – Boy, did that not work out for Coach Hopauer. That is that is wild, wild and wacky stuff. And it did not work out. And I don't I don't I just you know I would love to see that game. Obviously, I, I don't you know. I don't know if I would love to see the game, but just to see like how they were not able to get Dominic Henderson getting anything at all. Like you you hear a box in ones, and yeah, it can it can help and it can slow people down and this, that, and the other. But how often Does it goose egg someone? Uh, And you know that's what I've been told. That he scored zero points, and it worked that effectively. And the team just the opposite team had no answers. Their answer is to just hold the ball and say, "Please get out of this. You're 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 killing us. We can't do anything with this." Very shocking. Very surprising. This tells me that Monroe obviously did not have anybody else step up alongside Dominic Henderson. And at this time of the year, you got to have dudes step up. It can't be a one man show. You got to have some balance and some depth. And Monroe obviously did not have that. Kudos to McDonough. Hats off. Hell of a coaching job. It worked for one side, it didn't work for the other side. And again, I, you know, and especially when you're pretty much like opponents, like this, like as far as you would assume talent-wise that you're just going to wipe out a quarter and do that, that is that is a scary thought, that you're going to limit possessions when you would assume that eventually if you have maybe a little bit more talent or at least close enough to it, the more possessions you have, the more it's going to be in your favor. But McDonough, you know, um, great job with what they decided to go with, Jordan Gix, and um, Trey Thomas switching out, defending Dominic Henderson, absolutely shutting him down. Kudos to McDonough. They are in the Final Four where they will see Baldwin, the number one ranked team in the state. You know, I had them losing to Miller Grove, to be honest with you. You know, Christian Burnett, I don't think he ever came back and played, but this team is a good team. They win a, a, a you know a physical defensive war with Miller Grove at Miller Grove 58-52. And Miller Grove, and I, I just I don't know. Like that Miller Grove region, that DeKalb region, same thing with Stevenson, they kind of like struggled to score at times. I mean, Miller Grove had to come back and beat Luella in the Elite Eight 60 51, didn't score a lot. They only scored 54 points against Central Carrollton. You look at what Stevenson did on the other side, I mean, okay, they scored 72 points in a win over Pickens, which, you know, Pickens, he only won by 10 points there. And then they, you know, they they crapped the bed and they lose in overtime 75 66 to Cedar Shoals after a big first quarter lead. Scoring was kind of an issue, it feels like, in that region. I mean, even looking at Marist, Marist, they scored 38 points in the first round and lost to Cedar Town. That wasn't good. I mean, I thought they would be able to do something there. Even though they are a defensive team, they limit possessions. You know, Mays, they won 60 43 in their first round game, but even they were held to, uh, you know, under. 50 points in a 52-49 loss to McDonald's. So scoring was an issue, it seems, for this Region 6. A little bit of an issue. In Region 6, they played a defensive-minded style of play, but they just cannot really open it up. But again, Will Freeman for Baldwin, 16 points. Rudolph Satcher and Latavion Roach, 10 points apiece. Big win, big gutsy win for Baldwin on the road. And now they are rewarded with the home game against McDonough. Now I don't know is McDonough going to run a boxing one? Is Baldwin going to hold the ball? I don't I don't know because this Baldwin team, this Baldwin team is very um, well rounded. They have a lot of guys. Your Simmons Simmons uh, is in there. Uh, Shantavis Hogan. They got a lot of guys. Jacoby Nixon. Baldwin has a bunch of guys that can give you a couple points here and there and play really really well together. So kudos to Baldwin. Um, who am I picking in this game? I'm I'm going with Baldwin, just because. As I just mentioned, I think they have a lot of balance, a lot of depth. They've won some tight games, some physical, close games. You know, they beat Hardaway by two in the Sweet Sixteen. They grind one out against Miller Grove. You know, McDonough is going to be stingy defensively. I mean, McDonough, you know, they held Jefferson. To 53 points in double overtime in the first round. They held Mays to 49 in the second round. And they hold Monroe to 25 in the third round. So they're clamping down, getting tighter and tighter and tighter. They're locking things down defensively. But I think Baldwin might be comfortable playing in a low-scoring game because, as I mentioned, it's not just, you know, you can't just take away Will Freeman because Simmons will hit you up. Or Hogan or Nixon, there's a lot of options for Coach Webb over there, and this Baldwin team you know it's like sticking your finger you know in, in the hole of the dam when it's breaking in the in the dike it, you know you might you might stop a leak here, but it might spring here and it might spring there and you 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 might not drown you it might not flood, but eventually there's going to be water on your feet and you're going to have to change your socks and I think McDonough is going to have to change their socks as Baldwin makes it to Macon. Moving on down to Class 3A. As I take a look at my initial predictions in the bracket, I see three out of the four Final Four teams correctly chosen. I did get Lafayette wrong. They couldn't handle Cross Creek, but we'll talk about that in a second. Left-hand side, Sandy Creek 68-59 winner over Johnson Savannah. A game which they led 19 points by 19 points early on, but Johnson kept coming back. And Andre Bowles won the guard matchup with Miles Rice, uh, scored 34 points. Uh, but Jabari Smith was too good. Just too good. 27 points, 21 rebounds, two assists, five steals, and seven blocks. Now, Sandy Creek, fortunate they won that, that coin flip, that second coin flip, because they don't have to go to Hartwell. They get to have Hart County, come to them. Hart County, yeah, they left They left no stone unturned. 76-46, trailed 6-0 early, and then just said no, 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 no. They blow out Thompson. J.C. Curry, 22 points. Ben Edwards gets in on the action with 14 points. Sean Webb, 13 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, Taj Johnson, 11 points. And Sean Teasley, 7 points. So the matchup we've been waiting for in Class 3A, I think Hart County is is a team that matches up best with Sandy Creek, as far as anybody in in that in that classification having a chance of beating Sandy Creek. Now, with this coin flip, I think it's 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 huge for Sandy Creek. Not that oh, now we have our home court advantage. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a simple fact that you don't have to go to Hartwell. I think um, if this game was at Hart County, I think that would be a, a bigger factor. I think home court crowd would be a much bigger factor than it being at Sandy Creek. What do I see happening in this game? Um, you know, Jabari Smith that is obviously going to be the issue for Hart County. How do you choose to defend him? How will Coach Marsh handle a future NBA player like that who is the closest thing to Kevin Durant in the state of Georgia? You know, six ten leads the team in three-point shooting at a, a ridiculously efficient rate over forty percent. He does everything and he erases shots. Now you do have Taz Johnson. He's only a sophomore. He has a lot of talent. Six seven. But he has had a propensity over his career, sometimes, to get into foul trouble. And if he gets into the if he gets into foul trouble trying to defend uh, Jabari Smith this could be a really long night for seeing or for for Hart County because they just they don't have any other post depth that can really get out there and make a difference. Um, I think Hart County wants to start off by you know I would say cut off the head of the snake Miles Rice, um, Sean Webb. I would assume would defend him and Sean Webb is you know he's the best on ball defender in the state of Georgia so he's going to make him work for everything he gets. But after that, I worry about the back end. I worry about who is guarding Jabari Smith. Now, if you force him outside or you force him to a tough shot, who's coming down to make sure you rebound and collect um, you know, collect those loose balls because Deshaun Proctor, Houston Baptist, right there. You know, he's gonna be on the boards. He's a big, tough physical rebounder, and he's gonna cause some issues. And then Micah Smith is six foot seven. So I think you're gonna look at Sean Webb is going to have to after he's done guarding you know we're assuming he's guarding Miles Rice after he's done guarding him he's going to have to fly down he's going to have to come down with reckless abandon and get those those defensive rebounds to limit second chance opportunities for Sandy Creek now Hart County's really athletic i mean Jay Hurd can jump out of the gym um, J. C. Curry, I think he's gonna have to really get on the glass. He's about six four, but he is a, a, an explosive athlete. He can match up athletically with anybody. Um, Sandy Creek has to offer, um, but I think Sandy Creek just with the amount of weapons they have, the polish of those weapons. I mean, their depth is going to be a, a, a factor. I think Hart County they can play, you know, maybe seven guys, but after that, it you know it it starts to take a dip, and. Uh, you know, Victor Newsome, he could have a big game because who, you know, Sean T is going to guard him. That's a, that's another good young guard that can create off the dribble. And then you still have a six 6'7", Micah Smith, that's going to cause some issues with, with his ability to be inside and out. So I just think, you know, it's going to be tough overall. But, you know, I'm looking at John that You know, they played him to a nine-point game. They had a superstar in the Madre Bowles that just carried that team. Hart County has that same type superstar sean webb but you know he's gonna have to expend a lot of energy on both sides of the ball i think people are gonna have to hit shots for Hart county ben edwards if if he gets open looks from three and if he takes them he's gotta he's gotta knock them in because i know there's gonna have so much focus on jc curry uh Taz johnson and sean webb and rightfully so i think if, if you're sandy creek sean webb that that is my whole game plan is shutting him down and slowing him down. Sean Webb is who you have to stop. Uh, I just think this is gonna be it's gonna be a tall task for Hart County. I think they have a chance. You, you, you have to get off to a good start. I mean, just looking at that this uh you know Sandy Creek Johnson game. Um a 25 to 8 start, I believe it was for Johnson. Or not for Johnson, but for Sandy Creek. But after that, Johnson, you know, they won a couple quarters. And they played really close and it was pretty even. I mean, outside of that first quarter, I think Johnson outscored Sandy Creek, but you can't go down early. Hart County has to come out of the gates hot. They have to get um, get in front or be right there because if this game, you know, gets to double digits in that first quarter, that's going to be very challenging. Not from just a, 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 a you know coming back and winning this game, but and, you know just overall duh on the scoreboard. But a psychological aspect is saying, "Oh man, maybe we can't play with these guys." I think Clark County can play with these guys, and I've said it over and over again. Sean Webb, you know, if he plays on a, a a different travel ball team that's you know gets tracked more so in Georgia, or he's at a bigger school, or just you know, media members, you know, go out there and watch him play like I have. He's probably a low major, a mid major type player. He's very um, comparable. Um, to um, to to uh who who Meadow Creek had back in the day, uh, as his name of course uh, escapes my my mind, but uh, Jameer Chaplin that's who I'm thinking of. Very similar to Jameer Chaplin, who was a very good defender and wiry and athletic and could score when needed. Um, that's that's what you're getting in Sean Webb. That's a similar type player, and I think Sean Webb is better in some areas than Jameer Chaplin was. But I think Sandy Creek, uh, I'm sticking with Sandy Creek. It's just so tough to pick against them. They're they're loaded. If they don't win a state championship, I mean, (laughs) wow. I mean, I don't know what else you need to win one. Um, But I'm going with Sandy Creek, but I know Hart County is going to come out with a great effort. But, again, I think this first quarter, Hart County, you got to get off to a good start, and you got to stay out of foul trouble because we saw it early in the season against Lanier, when they started dropping like flies with foul trouble, um, there's just just wasn't enough bullets left in the chamber. And I think if that happens, they're going to be in trouble. But uh, I'm going with Sandy Creek. But I do think Hart County. They're a live dog. Don't underestimate this Hart County team. But I'm going with Sandy Creek. Right-hand side. Windsor 4, 60-57 over Salem. That dynamic duo that scores a bunch of points. Got the job done. Shamar Norman, 24 points. Deontay Bass. 21 points they both had a well combined for seven threes And they got past Salem and now they had to cross Creek a 72 60 winner Over Lafayette Lafayette just to not handle could not handle uh, Cross Creek and we said well, I'm looking at Richard visitation and Corey Trotter if those two guys have really good games and they can kind of outdo um, Lafayette's duo. I think they win the game well Richard visitation 27 points. He wasn't there last year. He's there this year. He was terrific. Devin Pope, 22 points. And Corey Trotter, big guy going to Miles College inside with 13 points. I think Windsor Forest is going to be more athletic in the front court. And that could hurt, could slightly hurt Corey Trotter's effectiveness inside because Dante Bass jumps out of the gym. That is a high major forward at 6'7", plays on the rim, he is going to be able to block some shots and alter some shots if he gets switched on to Corey Trotter, who is a you know he's a below the rim player, a very good player, but he's not explosive toward the basket. Rigid visitation, Cross um, Creek's going to have some quickness. I think they do have some type of foot speed that can try to stay in front of him. But he's so good. He, his three point shot was locked in against Lafayette. He's a great creator. Gets others involved. Um, so. If I'm Windsor Forest, you know my thing personally. Again, I'm cutting off the head of the snake. I think Richard Richard Visitation is the player that makes this Cross Creek team go. He's the one that can facilitate, get things off the bounce, make life easy for his teammates. And then Devin Pope can shoot the ball from the outside. But I'm game planning for Visitation and trying to slow him down because I think he's that good. And I think Windsor Forest. I think they, like I said, they have the math, the athletes to match up think Dante Bass is going to be big. They can shoot from the perimeter. I'm going with Windsor Forest in this one, um, but I, I know Cross Creek is going to have a big fan base there, uh, but I'm going to stick with my original pick of Sandy Creek versus Windsor Forest in the final four. So I'm rolling with the Knights. Now we move on to Class 2A, and what do we see? We see three teams from Region 6. <laughs> Make it into the Final Four. Two of those teams, private schools. We obviously know uh, they're, <laughs> it's not a level playing field when, when you talk about some of these other 2A schools. And then we talk about Columbia, who just dropped down from 5A. So not a lot of surprises there. So what do we have? How do we get here? Columbia, 49-47 winner over Washington County. Kalisiki Ricks with the layup with four seconds to go to lift them over Waco on the road. They've been the cardiac kids. They've been on the road all all postseason. They won 74-67 at Chattooga. They won 57-56 at Callaway. They won 49-47 at Washington County, getting 20 points from Julius Coleman. Mason Lockhart, 12-12, and Julius Lyman, 8-11. And now they see Lovett, region foe for the third time. They beat Lovett 64-59. Uh, in the middle of January, and then lost 72-59 in the region tournament. Lovett, an 80-68 winner over Swainsboro, the defending state champs. We were worried about how would they deal with Ryan Mutumbo inside, and obviously it did not go their way. Lovett has been you know, claiming they are the bracket busters. I have picked against them. Well, I just picked against them that, that one time. Um, that's the only Final Four team I missed in my predictions. But what happens this time of year? Well, they got big contributions. Christian Anderson, 20 points, the freshman. He came up big. Ryan Mutombo had 15. Kyle Walters, welcome to the party. He had 18 points. Colin Goldberg, he hasn't been a, a, a big scorer all year long. He scores 10 points. Jay Joshi, he scores 14 points. So they had all this balance, all this scoring surrounding Ryan Mutombo. And they're going up against Columbia, and they're going to know Columbia very well, and they're going to have a game plan to beat Columbia. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Again, uh, You know, trying to see what they've done in, in previous games against Columbia. I mean, I, I don't know. I might be doubling down. I think I'm going to double down. I'm going to stick with Columbia. Again, I, I know they have so much talent, and they haven't been able to do it, but you know, Christian Anderson scored twenty-two points, Matumbo had fifteen, Kyle Walters had twelve, and Joshi had eleven in their win over Columbia. And Columbia, since then, it's not like they've been playing to their max potential and then blowing teams out and stomping down on the competition. They haven't done that. So that that does really worry me as far as trends. If we're looking at trends, who's playing better right now? Lovett is playing better than Columbia. I don't know. You can't you can't argue that. Considering everything involved, Lovett is playing better, and they beat them not too long ago in that region tournament. Lovett's playing better basketball than Columbia. But I'm going with Columbia again. Lyman, Lockhart, Coleman on the perimeter knocking down threes. Ricks, you name them. Columbia has every piece of the puzzle. Can they put it all together? I don't know. I'm worried. Columbia is going to be on the road at Love It. It's not going to be easy. I would say, if I'm handicapping this game, I'm saying Love It. Love It's a favorite in this game. Love It's a favorite in this game, but I don't always pick favorites. I pick underdogs. And for that reason, I'm picking Columbia. Maybe, maybe it's a great time to string together a full 32 minutes and your best game of the year. Maybe Columbia can do it. I think it's, I don't know, it might be unlikely, but I'm picking Columbia to beat Lovett. Right-hand side, Thomasville had a a nice little draw against Raven County, 64-53, handled their business. And now they see Pace, 58-44 against Butler. And again, Pace Academy, they get off to some slow starts in that first half. Butler gave them some issues with their athleticism and their length. But Butler just could not shoot from the outside. And you got to hit outside shots to beat Pace Academy. So Pace with a 14-point win there. Um, You saw the usual suspects do damage. Matthew Cleveland, 22 points, 11 rebounds. Josh Reed, 16-9. Cole Middleton, 13 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 blocks. And Madison had 8 assists. Uh, This game's going to be at Thomasville. That's a hell of a drive. That's going to be a tough place to play at. Thomasville can hit outside shots with Clifford Davis, but everything revolves around Clifford Davis. And I think Paisley County, whether it be you know, Matthew Cleveland or Reed or whoever, I mean, embarrassment of riches over here, they can throw one of those guys and sick him and, like, screw it. Like, if they really wanted to, they could play boxing one and really make this life very difficult for Thomasville because I don't know if they have enough around um, Davis to carry them, so I think Pace, Academy, I think they win this game. I think they might win this game by you know double digits for sure. But I think it it potentially could get out of hand. Thomasville has to get off to a, a fast start, but if this is if this game is you know not within the balance still, uh, once we get to halftime, I mean th- this could be bad. I think Thomasville needs a really good first quarter, and I think Clifford Davis needs to just go off. And make a statement, but I think Pace Academy, knowing that they have to stop really one guy, I think, I think it's going to be tough on Thomasville, and I have Pace Academy making it to the state championship, trying to defend their state title. Now this time, in Class Two A. My my my, Class A private. <sighs> This isn't Class A private of the years past where you have a bunch of juggernaut teams, I don't think. I mean, I'm looking at this Final Four, uh, and I see teams that are all pretty evenly matched. I'm not going to lie. And let's dive into it. Top left-hand side, we saw Holy Innocence 58-48 beat Savannah Country Day to make it to the Final Four. Under Coach Mario Mays, Garrison Powell had 21 points and 6 rebounds. Landon Cardian was huge with 15.7 rebounds, 4 steals, 4 blocks, and Justin Wilson, 13.7 assists. And they see St. Francis, and again, Green Forest, hands down, not even close, not even close. The most talented roster in Class A private lays a complete freaking egg to St. Francis, Who is a skeleton crew? Everyone's gone. Seth Hubbard is hurt. He did not play. Keith Robbins, not on the team. You had your great, you know, freshman guard. He transferred out. Jordan Brown, he transferred out. You got guys playing huge minutes that were probably going to be seventh or eighth or ninth men on the bench. And Green Forest, still, still can't beat St. Francis after they got their. They got pants in the state championship game last year. Drew Catlett X and O's coaching up a storm. Um again just unbelievable. If you if you weren't going to get St. Francis this year, I don't know when you're going to get St. Francis. And Green Force is just they're kind of turned into that team that I, I don't know, they can't win the big game. And <laughs> you got to give all the credit to coach Catlett showing off his X and O's. He has a star player in Ju Holt. Alabama, 29 points, 12 rebounds, and 3 assists. Oh my gosh, what he is doing right now. Absolutely carrying, carrying this St. This Francis team, which could have easily rolled over and died after they got beat by by Kings Ridge Christian right after they lost all these players and they had to forfeit all these games and all hell was breaking loose. They could have like said, well, it's just not our year. We're just going to sink into being a you know 500 team, decent team, but... I know, Sweet 16 team, and we might run into a buzzsaw, and that might be it. That's not the case. You got Toby Gaines, 12 points, 11 rebounds, 4. Says he's played big. Drew Robinson, 9 points. Kai Simmons adds 9 points and 5 rebounds. St. Francis is playing so well right now, being led by their coach, being led by Coach, uh, coach Catlett, but just on hold with his star play. Green Force has to kick themselves because, again, this is a year to win a state title. And they're going to continue to reload and reload and reload, but man, two bad years in a row as far as how they exit, and St. Francis just has Green Force number, and again, boy oh boy, boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy, boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy, oh boy. on paper Green Force probably a 20 plus point favorite against St. Francis, but the games aren't played on paper, and remind me this time next year, do not pick Green Force, especially against St. Francis, no matter who's playing for St. Francis because Dreamforce they can't beat them when it matters. But we have Holy Innocence versus St. Francis. These two teams um as far as the breakdown of the roster now how we cut to the breakdown of these rosters uh yeah, very 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 different as to how we got here. Um but they got here. So St. Francis playing Good basketball, obviously. Um all of a sudden they're they're up against Holy Innocence. Now, both these teams they have one star, well, yeah, one star player. It's Holt for St. Francis, and for Holy Innocence, it's Powell. And these two teams, they go as their star players go. Now, St. Francis, they do have some length. They do have some length. And that length is, you know, definitely gonna play a factor. Kai Simmons. His ability to rebound and block some shots inside. I think that's I think that's very big. Even some of these guards for St. Francis. And you know I I watch them on film. You know, Toby Gaines and Drew Robinson, um, you know, Will Boney out there, six foot six. They have some guys that might not be overly tall, but they do look like they're pretty long. And you know, holy innocence, you know, a lot's gonna be predicated with uh what they do between Justin Wilson. And Garrison Powell. And Garrison Powell, I said, he's going to have to have a great game. And he can do that. And Holy Innocence, their defense, they're they're really good defensively. They switch defenses, 1-3-1 to a man, to 2-3, you know, this, that, and the other. They're going to mix up a lot of looks. And they're going to throw a lot of different looks at St. Francis. And they're going to have to be prepared. Um, But I think in this one, you know, it's going to be at Holy Innocence. Ah, You know, I was so tempted you know, just even going back to that sweet sixteen matchup, Saint Francis versus Galloway. And I was like, man, no says Hubbard, that hurts. But I stuck with my gut and I said, I'm going Saint Francis. I wasn't bold enough to pick them against Green Force. They get the job done. Now you're playing a holy innocence team that, you know, good team. You're gonna screen that top of the top of the zone and try and get some looks going the opposite way, hit some shooters in the corner. I'm going with Saint Francis here. I think their length up the middle will help against Holy Innocence. You know, Holy Innocence, Walker Wolf, uh, Harrison Verlander, um, you know, good, solid role players. I think role players are gonna be are gonna be really big in this one. And I just think Saint Francis, with a star player and some guys that have really stepped up and coming off that win over Green Forest, I think I'm going with Saint Francis to beat Holy Innocence, but I see this one. Been a real rough and tumble, low-scoring game, potentially played in the 50s. Going to go down to the wire, but I'm picking St. Francis to make it back to the state championship. After everything they have gone through, it's been an incredible job by Coach Catlett, and give so much credit to Toby Gaines and Drew Robinson and all these guys that have been thrust into a starting role and a huge just a huge overall, um, you know, pieces that become huge overall pieces to this team's success. On the right hand side, Christian Heritage beat FPD 59 54. A game I was at, an interesting game considering FPD, you know, you get five points from, from Jordan Jones, who scored 60 points in a game. We talked about that in. Last week's podcast, can Christian Heritage stay in front of FPD's shifty guards that can score with him and J. King? Well, he scored five points and they were back-to-back buckets. And then Jordan Jones tears his ACL at the 449 mark, I believe it was, in the second quarter. Tears his ACL and ends his career. And that is awful. Awful with everything in the COVID season and limited opportunities alone with that. And he tears his ACL in his final game. It was heartbreaking to see. But give credit to FPD. They kept battling. Julius King Jr., a.k.a. J. King, was electric. Everything off the dribble. No easy looks. Had 24 points. Was draining threes. Did everything he could. They had a shot at the end of it. Uh, but they couldn't get him the ball on a, you know, a coffin corner inbound, and it was stolen by Christian Heritage. You look on the other side of Christian Heritage, Jax Abernathy, the freshman, 25 points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. Ice the game from the foul line. And Evan Lester, about 6'3", strong guy, really exploited FPD's weakness in the post, and I thought that was an area where it, I was worried because Christian Heritage, they got some strong dudes inside. Not big, you know, height wise, but big physicality wise. And Evan Lester had a field day just cleaning up misses and scoring on layups. 19 points, eight rebounds, six assists, and one steal for the Georgia Southern football signee. So, this Christian Heritage team, they really exploited FPD defensively. I thought FPD was not good defensively. Uh, So many back cuts for Christian Heritage. And FPD over pursued and was out of position a lot of times. And I didn't think their offense was all that great. And you know, anyway, it was just, you know, they had to give it to their two guards. And once the one guard went down, it was just King Left. He knew what was coming. But Christian Heritage holds on. And they see Mount Pisgah, a 62-55 winner over St. Ann Pacelli in a game that JoJo Peterson had 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 4 blocks going to Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne. Uh, Kashim Grady had 10 points. Nate Gordon, 8 points and 6 rebounds. I think this is going to be a good game. Christian Heritage is excellently coached. They're not going to beat themselves. Their movement away from the ball caused so many issues, as I just mentioned, against FPD, getting defenders out of position. But simple back cuts, and I love cutting on offense. Motion you know, away from the ball. Can lull teams asleep, and that can really determine. That can tell you which team is locked in defensively, and which players are only locked in when the ball is in their in their area, and they get caught ball watching, and they get cut back door. Christian Heritage is going to throw everything at Mount Pisgah. Now, Mount Pisgah, looking at all these rosters remaining, I think I had Mount Pisgah ranked number one in the state heading into the state tournament, and that was my initial pick to win it all. I had them beating Green Force, so. Now, Pisgah hasn't let me down just quite yet, but they have the best roster left. They have big and athletic guards all over. Peterson, we said, Grady. Chase Tucker is not a big guard, but he's a little three-point shooter that can light it up. He's had some big games already throughout the postseason. Um, MJ Winter is a very good two-way player, defender, and a guard at about 6'2". Nate Gordon, I think he is going to be a big factor. Six foot seven inside, plays above the rim, block shots, a great rebounder. Him going up against Evan Lester. Evan Lester, I don't think he's going to be able to replicate what he did against FPD because he was just a bully on the block. But now he's going up against a guy that can match his strength or at least very close to it and can jump out of the gym. So I look at that, you know, that, 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 that advantage they had against FPD. I don't see that. I don't see that. Against Mount Pisgah, I just don't see that. Um, I think the size and the speed of these Pisgah guards they could they could p- cause some issues for Christian Heritage, which is more of a a smaller guard team. I think Jax Abernathy will not be affected. He's a freshman. He's not anything flashier, spectacular, but he is a terrific player. He's unassuming. No emotion out there, stoked and demeanor, but he will snap off an elite Eurostep move and he will bang it to the basket. He can, you know, hit these tough driving shots and be somewhat off balance, but be perfectly aligned to the hoop and float it in. He will score in every single which way. He killed him with his passing. He killed him with his scoring. Um, Going towards the basket, as I said, from the three-point line. He does everything. If you're Mount Pisgah, um... That is the guy. That is 1,010 million percent. That is the guy you have to have your best defender on and you have to maybe shadow uh, at times. I'm not letting Jax Abernathy beat me. A terrific freshman. I cannot let him beat me. I want to see the others hit shots, which they can. Zundra Jackson, another great freshman. I love his potential. He hit two early threes against FPD. Nash Bingham, who was... You know He's going to be big in this game defensively, not always scoring the ball, but I think he provides great effort defensively for Coach Watkins. I thought he did a great job uh, trying to guard King and make, made things tough. King was just hitting crazy shots, but every single shot was tough and contested. Um, so I think that's going to be uh, a, a key player for this Christian Heritage team. Um, but I think defensively they're going to be fundamentally sound. I think offensively they're going to move the ball. Uh, Mount Pisgah, if they can get this up and down, and you know, get some stuff going towards the basket, and you know, very good basketball players, if they can get JoJo Peterson involved, creating and getting downhill, um, they are looking at a Christian Heritage team that just doesn't have any shot blockers. And I think that could hurt them in the paint in this game. I think Christian Heritage is going to have a great game plan. I think they're going to be right there. I think it's going to be a close game. I am going to stay true to my initial pick. I think Mount Pisgah finds a way to grind it out at the end, um, but I hope Coach Hickson Ball has his game plan done. I hope he's ready. I hope he knows what to expect because, again, they might not look like they're going to you know, jump out the gym or do anything crazy, but they are going to not make very many mistakes at all, and they're going to make you defend um, the entire length of the court because they can shoot the three. They're going to back cut. You're going to have to be aware where they are at all times. They're going to run multiple sets at you, um, but I think Mount Pisgah, I just think they're going to be able to get some points inside, even though Christian did, they got some, like I said, they got strong dudes and they can go and grab it. They can go get some rebounds. I thought, uh, Cash Hare did a really nice job on the glass for them. Um, but I just think there's going to be more weapons for Mount Pisgah as long as Mount Pisgah doesn't try to get into too much iso ball and they play together as a team and they can get to the basket. Um, they're gonna to have to, you know, spread the ball, and, you know, share the ball around. It might be opposite side drives on swings and trying to get Christian Heritage a little bit out of position. But I think Nate Gordon crashing the glass and some of their other athletes crashing the glass. I think Mount Pisgah will be a little too much. But I do think this game is gonna be, it's gonna be bananas. Christian Heritage, it's gonna be up at Dalton, in Dalton. It is going to be packed out. It's gonna be nuts. Mount Pisgah is not going to see a crowd like that because I know Christian Heritage. I think they had a better, um, better crowd than FPD did, and that was you know a two and a half hour drive to Macon. So Mount Pisgah, they're going to have to strap on their boots. They're going to have to play an A game to beat Christian Heritage, but I think they find a way to pull it out close. Lastly, to finish up the podcast, Class A public, well, well, well. Left-hand side, Chattahoochee County, 59-45 winner over Portal. Portal was without Amir Jackson, 6'5", freshman who averaged 13 points and 10 rebounds per game. Chetco takes advantage of a shorthanded Portal team, which obviously would have made a difference. You get 13 points apiece from Nikita Ellington and Austin Fox and then Jay Buford. Dexter Holloman and Carlos Dunibat, eight points apiece. And now they see Towns County, 61-54 winner over Irwin County. So we already know Towns County, they can beat these very athletic football-loaded teams. With Jake McTaggart inside, and Colby Moss on the perimeter, Aiden Barron, Colin Crowder, all these guys... I think K Bell is again I haven't gotten clarification. I think he might still be out with that separated shoulder. But Towns County is winning this game, people. They've seen really good teams all throughout the year. Again, Chattahoochee County taking advantage of a shorthanded portal team. Jake McTagger inside is going to be a load to stop. Colby Moss's ability to score in multiple ways. I think it's a good game. At Chattahoochee County, Cassetta, Georgia, that's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough travel. It's going to be tough to win on the road. But I believe in this Towns County team and what they've done consistently all throughout the year. This is a good team. The big fella inside, McTaggart, and then Colby Moss. I think we have Towns County making it to the state championship. Top right-hand side. Hancock, 65-63 over Terrell County. Jamal Taylor... Always coming up in the clutch, helping this team pull out another big win to get to the Final Four. It's been a stop-and-go season for them. It's been a weird season for them. But they erased Terrell County in a great game. Jamal Taylor, 21 points. Leroy Wilson, 15 points. And obviously we have, uh, who is it, Marquavius Lawrence, 6-foot post player with 15 points as well. Deontay Lowe added 8 points. So they get the job done. But let's bring up the elephant in the room. It was a choke job. You got two D1 guards. And you can't even make it to the final four. In Class A public. Dublin, 79. Drew Charter at home, 63. Dublin comes in, makes it a rock fight. Punches Drew Charter in the mouth. And Drew Charter didn't like it. Dublin able to handle their quickness, handle their press, match their physicality, score inside around the rim. How do you let Jacoby Strozier foul out in the third quarter? That's a coaching gaffe right there. Just, that was really bad. That's, that was really bad. And, you know, one of those things alone, um, Definitely, I don't think there's, there's any way around it. Uh, ben Smith won this X and O's battle. He won the coaching battle here. And again, it's, it's hard to fathom, especially in Class A public. When you got two, potentially three, Division I guys. You're playing these South Georgia schools. I love it how Dublin doesn't care. This is a solid team. They punch him in the mouth. And Drew Charter wilts and was down the entire time and continued to try and come back. And, you know, if by now you don't know Jocquez Thornton is the best player on that team, you're not watching basketball. He's the best player on that team by far. Now he doesn't have the high major offers that his teammate has, but Jocquez Thornton, the best player on that team, the best player in class A public all season long. Uh, I don't think it's going to come to any surprise when he's going to be named <laughs> the player of the year in class A public. He's the best player in the the state in that classification. But even with the best player in the state in the classification, again, Drew Charter could not handle the physicality and the toughness and all these seniors, Tyquan Davis, all these guys. You have to give all the credit in the world to Dublin. And maybe it was going to be even worse if they actually let Dublin fans into the game or if they played that game at Dublin. But make no mistake about it. Dublin, you have to give them all the credit in the world. But again... Oh, it's an epic failure for Drew Charter. Oh, it's a huge choke job. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, they got fortunate against Lincoln County when they were down 15 points and rallied back. But you played a good team that has what? They have 25, 26, 27 wins now. Dublin was not going to let that mistake happen. They were not going to let their foot off the gas pedal. And Drew Charter, disappointing end to the season. Atlanta school. Just unbelievable, again, with the amount of talent they have. Absolutely unbelievable. That not only do you lose, but you get blown out, and somehow you let your your high major, you know, all these big-time offers. I keep being told he fouled out in the third quarter. How does that even happen? Insane. Give all the credit to Dublin. Tougher team. Obviously a better team than Drew Charter. Gets the job done. Now they see Hancock Central. Gosh, I mean, Hancock Central's the defending state champs, right? And this is one of those things, I, you know, Dublin, of course. Oh my God. We all know they use this podcast and these rankings as motivation. Oh my God. This has been bulletin board material the entire time. It's bulletin board material for the entire state because I've been saying True Charter is unbeatable. They were supposed to be. Until X and O's happen and then toughness happened and it, it it you know, you throw it all out the window. But now Dublin, you play a team with the heart of a champion and Jamal Taylor. You know, Jamal Taylor's a great player. He's not as good as Jack Quest Thornton, but he is a great player and he's gonna pose some issues. Leroy Wilson is very good at getting downhill and he can rebound. And then I mean, are you gonna get beat by a six foot post presence and Marquavius Lawrence? I don't know. Either way, I think it's going to be a good game just because Jamal Taylor's really good, and he's going to carry this Hancock team. But after seeing this win over Drew Charter, how he just punched them in the mouth, I don't know how you pick against Dublin. I just don't understand how you could pick against Dublin. And, you know, maybe it's a trap game. Maybe it's a, you know, a letdown game. But I don't think they're having a letdown this year. I mean, they're dropped from, what was it, 2A to Class A public, they were good last year in two A. They're great this year in A public. You beat Drew Charter. You have good guard play. Obviously, you can handle pressure. You're not afraid. You can do it on the road in an empty gym. You can do it in, and in, in and in a pack gym. Um, you know, playing at Hancock Central is going to be very, very, very difficult. But, you know, you you you've seen it before in Class A public where they saw a great big win and said, "Whoa, this team has all the momentum," and then they lose the next round. But I'm going with Dublin, probably going to pick Dublin to win the state championship, to be honest with you, um but I'm picking Dublin to win over Hancock Central in a good game. Dublin, I think they're going to be deeper again they've they've seen everything they're going to be tougher, not by much, but I think they're going to be tougher when they need to be tougher and I think you know what he's been able to do x and o is a former player, and Ben Smith, I think he's going to bring back. A state championship, it looks like, the Dublin. So I'm going with Dublin to beat Hancock Central after just shoving all this crow and all this terrible stuff down my throat after Drew Charter absolutely lets me down. Unfathomable, but Dublin, tougher team, got right to it, great game plan, gets the win. And I got them getting the win over Hancock Central. So that is the Elite eight preview actually that's the final four preview it just time flies huh the final four preview is here that is it again all these games at higher seeds and you know the top side of the bracket where like seeds are so no neutral court now no none of that so some of these games are going to have home fans in the stands making a major impact but that is it you can follow along at Sandy 355 on Twitter, sandyspiel.com, of course. Again, updating all brackets in live, real time. I will be at the Hart County versus Sandy Creek game, and I don't know where I'm going to be after that. But I appreciate you listening if you do. And again, bulletin board material. I know you guys love to hate me this time of year when I don't pick your team, but again, if you're going to use it, make sure you get me fitted for a state championship ring because I don't have any hardware. I appreciate you guys. Until next time, I will see you in Macon.